Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you're a fan of the show, please help us out by subscribing on Spotify. And while you're there, give us a five-star rating and share with your friends. Every download really does help, so thank you so much for keeping this podcast going. Are you nostalgic for a simpler time? A time where controllers didn't have so many buttons. A time where games weren't so overly complicated by so many plot devices. Yeah. Me too. I miss my NES. Hi, (laughs) I'm Bill, and I absolutely love old video games, but I didn't have anyone to play with. So I decided to start the Super Switch Club. That's right, a podcast dedicated to discussing and reliving the nostalgia of retro video games that are also on the Nintendo Online Virtual Library. Games like Star Fox, Super Mario World, Kirby's Dreamland 3, Echo the Dolphin, Donkey Kong Country, The Legend of Zelda, Castlevania Bloodline, Super Metroid, Shining Force, Balloon Fight, Punch Out, Sonic 2, F Zero, Banjo Kazooie, Tetris, Pokemon Snap, and so much more. The Super Switch Club is a podcasters assemble style show from the We Can Make This Work, probably, podcast network. A podcast where we peel away the veneer of nostalgia and play some unnecessarily difficult video games just because our friends are playing them too. So join us on the Super Switch Club, where you can relive the nostalgia of tearing your hair out over an NES game that loves to troll the shit out of you. Fantastic. I'm thoroughly looking forward to this. Yeah, that sounds good. Best of all, you can too. Head on over to probablywork.com slash super switch club now to learn more. This is Eric Slater from Epic Fails of History, Too Young for This Trek, Comic Zombie, and Podcasters Assemble. G'day, it's Elise. Hey everyone, it is Kazlo25. I'm a uh, YouTuber and Twitch streamer focusing on RPGs. Hey folks, this is Brett from Skeleton House. I am Douglas Gale, co-host of the Xbox Game Pass podcast called Game Game Pass. Hey, this is Frost. Hello, listeners. This is Mushroom Comics from Mushroom Comics' audio-only Let's Plays. Hey, this is Ben from The Dragoon Effect, an audio-only Let's Play podcast that cares about your mental health. What up, everybody? This is Scott. I stream over at Twitch at twitch.tv slash the underscore Scott underscore spot. Hi, friends. It's uh, it's me. It's Troy, Turtle Power from Power Playthroughs podcast and Too Young for This Track and the, the Internet. And today we're talking about the Game Boy. Here to wax nostalgic, to reminisce about the classic handheld gaming system the game boy advance and uh are we are we talking about the game boy y'all i wanted to send in some thoughts on game boy game boy advance nostalgia i'm here to talk about the game boy and game boy advance as well as other handheld nostalgia or possibly just the game boy family of uh systems in general and i am here today to talk to you about game boy nostalgia And we're here for a special episode of the Super Switch Club, focusing on handheld nostalgia. For the Super Switch Club. Y'all didn't think you were going to talk about the Game Boy without me, did you? Handheld nostalgia. Uh, Game Boy. I grew up on the Game Boy. What is there to say about the Game Boy that hasn't already been said? So the original Game Boy came onto the scene in 1989, and it instantly took the world by storm. 
these systems held a very special place in my childhood. This episode in particular is about nostalgia for the Game Boy, and I definitely played the shit out of my Game Boy. This clunky piece of 8-bit hardware might seem quaint by today's standards, but the Game Boy was revolutionary in its time. I love the Game Boy. We had an original Game Boy when I was a kid, the big bricky one. I am positive I have a chunky Game Boy around here somewhere. The first handheld I owned was an original brick Game Boy. Sure, it was kind of heavy, and no, it didn't have any color, or even a backlight. Now, the Game Boy was a very simple handheld console. But you have to remember, this was way before smartphones were even a thing. Uh, probably received it around 1990? It effectively was an NES in the palm of your hands. I spent a lot of time with my grandparents growing up and schlepping Nintendos and Super Nintendos back and forth. Just, it wasn't that fun. I did it much later with a PlayStation, but that was because I didn't have a Game Boy that could play PlayStation games. So. You had your A button and your B button, your start and select, a D-pad. I mean, you know, this even predated flip phones. Uh, cell phones were barely a thing at this point. And just a smaller screen was the only real difference. And, well, and the lack of color. And it was just something really nice about having that portability. However, it's such a small screen. And there are times where if you're in direct sunlight, it's really hard to see because it's only green and black. And the green is just lack of color, I think. Although that would be solved about halfway through the Game Boy's lifespan when they released the Game Boy Color. Heck, some of us actually remember what it was like before everyone had access to dial-up internet, back when you had to go to the arcade to play Mortal Kombat or games like Cruising USA. You best believe that having a video game that could almost fit in your pocket was a big deal. So I spent hundreds, if not thousands of hours playing Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Pocket, Game Boy Advance games. <laughs> Just lots of memories there. Man, oh man, what a system. But yeah, so I have lots of memories about the Game Boy. So I think I'm a little bit too young to have a lot of nostalgia for the original Game Boy. I don't remember. It, it, it was me and my brother at the time. It was probably his Game Boy, and I played some games on it. I remember playing my first Game Boy game like it was just last week. Because it was. I remember getting my first Game Boy back when I was like eight or nine, I think. Like I played Tetris on it, I'm pretty sure, when I was young. I played Tetris, and it was awesome. Of course, my earliest memories, as most people's probably are with the Game Boy, are with Tetris. Of course, I had Tetris. I remember Tetris, you know, even my mom loved Tetris. We would have competitions, like she would play Tetris and see what score she could get, and then I would see if I could beat it. So uh, I played a lot of Tetris uh, on that. Originally packaged with Tetris, which we'll talk about more on the next episode. A Tetris DX was huge. I know we're going to be talking about Tetris soon on the show. A lot of time spent moving those little blocks all over, creating lines and watching them disappear. We did the same thing with Snake on those old, you know, like Nokia cell phones, but we, we played Snake on that, and that reminded me of the days of, you know, having Tetris competitions with my mom. But Tetris DX for me was the mobile version of Tetris that I was really glued into, um, the Game Boy Color version. I have waited too long to play real Tetris with the music and all. I, I you know, we had the original Tetris on Game Boy, but... Uh, again, the Game Boy Color was where I really started like uh, playing a lot, and, and Tetris DX I remember being really good. I might have mentioned this before, but my first system was a Super Nintendo. Then when my parents split up, I got a Sega Genesis of my dad's, and I'm pretty sure my mom got me the Game Boy soon after. I did not have a Game Boy. My first Game Boy was one of those cool see-through ones. 
which I always thought was the most badass thing ever. I had one of those uh, see-through cord phones like that growing up as well. I remember asking for one when I was maybe 10 or 11, uh, but I reckon my parents, knowing that I could get very obsessed with things very quickly, decided that that would be bad and opted to not. Also, the cost of the games that I would start asking for and the knowledge that I would probably be distracted by this game to the point of not sleeping was probably a factor. I remember getting my limited edition ice blue Game Boy Pocket. I had a Game Boy Pocket, the the little tiny like silver version. You guys know the one. And that thing was the bee's knees. I was like the coolest kid in school for having that. I ended up becoming a Nintendo fanatic and even got myself a subscription to Nintendo Power. And I was, yeah. Just uh, hooked on the stuff for life. <laughs> I first got a Game Boy because of Pokemon Red and Blue. Before that, I had no interest in Game Boys. And both the Game Boy and the Game Gear had a ton of peripherals that you could add on. Not to mention that I also had Pokemon at the time with my limited edition Ice Blue Game Boy Pocket. A friend showed me the game and I immediately knew I needed to have this game and play it. So I saved up money. And I purchased one of those purple clear Game Boys and Pokemon Red. So instead they caved and bought me a knockoff Tetris style game. I had Game Boy around the time that Pokemon came out. It was 100% worthwhile. Um, so I myself was also the bee's knees, not just my sweet ice blue Game Boy Pocket. So I guess you could say Super Mario World was my gateway drug, but the Game Boy was that hard stuff. I always got the knockoff toys because I reckon mom and dad figured I would just get bored of things after a week and it would be a waste of money. Could not put it down. I'm so glad that I did because I have enjoyed Pokemon ever since. I do want to talk about a few games for the Game Boy that I particularly remember. One of my mates did have a Game Boy and an NES, so we would bond over me watching her play Kirby on the Game Boy. My fondest memories that are probably with games like Super Mario Land, Donkey Kong Land. I had other games for it too, like NFL Blitz. Because the Game Boy actually has my favorite Mega Man game, which is Mega Man V. I say V because I don't want to confuse it with 5 on the NES. And I, I didn't really own that many games to my memory. So I remember the first games I had, you know, other than Tetris, I got Super Mario Land. I had Mario Land, Mario Land 2. What are the, I, I had Super Mario Land 2. Super Mario Land 2, the six golden coins. Uh, which I played the hell out of. Wario Land. Zelda Link's Awakening is probably the best Game Boy game ever made. I played the shit out of Link's Awakening DX on the Game Boy. The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. Pretty sure most people had Link's Awakening. I can, Zelda is one of my favorite series at all times. I can't remember, but I want to say that Link's Awakening was my introduction to Zelda. It was either that or Ocarina at a time. I can't remember which came first. You know, that was formative in my life. Metroid 2, The Return of Samus, Kirby's Dreamland, Mega Man, Donkey Kong. I loved those games. I remember, um, of course, I played a lot of Pokemon. I had Tetris. I think I had Donkey Kong Land. I had like the limited edition orange Donkey Kong Land games. I probably, I'm the chunky Game Boy. Probably sunk more time into Donkey Kong Land than any other game. I think I actually played those games before I ever played Donkey Kong Country. Uh, you know, some others. I'm trying to think of, you know, my favorites uh, that really come to mind. Mega Man 1, 1 through 4 on the Game Boy were very much ports of 
the NES games, but Mega Man 5 decided to create their own set of robot masters that instead of being based on some sort of item or heat or anything like that, they were based on the planets in the solar system and they were called the Star Droids. And so you had the eight planets other than Earth and then their leader was called Terra, which was obviously a stand-in for Earth. And the designs on these robot masters were amazing. I, I still think Saturn is my favorite designed robot master in all of Mega Man. And I'm just praying to God that Capcom will finally re-release it. Just put it on Nintendo Switch Online. You don't need to do a whole collection like you've been doing for every Mega Man series because nobody really wants the other Game Boy games. They only want Mega Man 5. Do it, you cowards. Um, I never played Metroid 2. I do remember somebody let me borrow Donkey Kong 98 at one point. That game was fantastic. The only games that we had that I can remember, I think, were Pokemon Red, Pokemon Blue, and Pokemon Yellow. Pokemon Red, Pokemon Blue, and yes, even Pokemon Yellow, the Pikachu edition. Pokemon Blue and Yellow, I believe. And then I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about Pokemon. The elder sibling had red, I had blue, and then we got yellow a little bit later, so that was a younger sibling. I remember it coming out in, I think it was 1999? I believe I was in sophomore year of high school, and remember playing it in my, I want to say homeroom class, but we really didn't have homeroom class. There was a class where I didn't have to do anything, that was for sure. I had all six Pokemon games. I used to have all 152 original Pokemon memorized back when there were only 152 Pokemons. And being a big fan of RPGs at that time, having a really good one on the Game Boy soaked up all of my time. I got Kirby's Dreamland. That was a, a personal favorite. I was fascinated by this little box and this cute little round dude who would just suck up anything and everything, and that was its superpower. Kirby's Dreamland 2, or whatever that game where you ride hamsters and whatever other animals on it were called. So yeah, I played that game a lot. That was kind of fun. I should probably get to that game now that it's on the Nintendo Switch Online and see if it holds up at all. Uh, I also had a game called Miner 2049er. This is a very old game. Like it was, uh, it was originally like an 8-bit Atari game. I think it came out in like the early 80s. Uh, uh, but it was ported to Game Boy, um, and I don't know why I got that game. It must have been a gift from a very confused relative, but uh, it basically was like, it was shoots and ladders, and you had to avoid things that killed you, and you basically had to march on all the land. You know, sort of like, I guess it was simulating mining or whatever, but you had to, there were these uh, ladders and things to climb on, and um, you had to basically touch all of the, all of the floor with your feet, I guess, um, before the, uh, before you could exit the stage. Um, so never, never could beat that. Never, never beat it. The original Game Boy was a hardy system. In fact, there's a battle-damaged Game Boy on display at the Smithsonian in Washington, D.C. that was recovered after some military barracks were bombed during the Gulf War in the early 1990s. And it still works to this day. And the game that was loaded into it? That's right, Tetris. That was the time period where we were playing Pokemon at school, and I had Fire Red. Probably the most popular peripheral is the Link Cable, which was almost necessary for Pokemon, just so you could connect to other Game Boys and trade Pokemon. Um, everybody had Pokemon, you know, we had to trade. And was necessary if you were trying for a full Pokedex. I feel like I had a wrestling game and just some random games. I don't remember anymore. Anyone else play Miner 2049er? Anyone? This was like middle school, high school years. So we were like hiding out like 
in the back of the school, whether it was high school or middle school. And we would sit at the like on a brick wall that always had shade because this was like lunchtime. I remember there was one summer vacation where I I think we went out to our grandparents' farm or something uh, and we brought the Game Boy. This might have been, actually, this was probably later. This was probably like on the Game Boy Advance, but it played Game Boy games. Uh, my parents at one point, the house I grew up in, for the most part, spent the most years of my life in, that was like my parents trying to build their own dream home. And I remember as the house was getting built, I would like hole up in a corner of this, you know, wooden monstrosity and be playing Pokemon. I remember, I'm pretty sure I got my Wartortle evolved into Blastoise in that house before it was even done b being built. We'd be back there playing Pokemon, trading Pokemon, and then the cool kid smokers would come back and smoke their cigarettes while they're hiding from the teachers. And then they'd just start talking with us and learning about Pokemon, and the next thing you know, they're playing Pokemon with us. Uh, and I got it in my head that I wanted to do a Pokemon playthrough, and I wanted to catch all the Pokemon. Uh, and not only did I want to catch all the Pokemon, I wanted to have them all level equally, have them all be as important to the team as uh, their compatriots. And I think I made it up to like the eighth gym and everyone was like level 30 and it was a horrible experience. Yeah, don't play Pokemon like that. And it was a crazy little console. Yeah, so that, you know, that's the late 90s, early aughts. I'm, yeah, I'm old. But the Game Boy was just like the shit back then, right? Something that's very underrated, I feel, is the sound. The sound uh, that the artists, the composers were able to pull out of this system. There are some great, absolutely great Game Boy soundtracks that people might not even know are that great because they only heard them come out of the really, really shitty Game Boy speaker. Um, but if you played it with headphones, you know how good the music could be. And this is amazing because they basically had four audio channels to work with for audio. <laughs> it's just... Some of that Game Boy stuff is just amazing. Things that come to mind, things like Final Fantasy Adventure, which I never owned myself. I wish I had. I've played it more recently, and um, the sound is amazing. Obviously, the Link's Awakening soundtrack is amazing. I, you know, but just just that that there's that disconnect when people are like, oh, Game Boy sounds so sounds so terrible. It's like, well, actually, it had a stereo head head jack, and uh, if you listen, if you played it with headphones, you knew the truth, which is that the Game Boy was uh, was a, just an amazing piece of work. like to listen to audio only let's play podcasts do you like when your aolp host gets abducted by all-powerful multi-dimensional space-time beings and forced into doing commercials for their crazy businesses well good news i'm mushroom comics and i host mushroom comics's audio only let's plays and sometimes i do ads for a crazy mimic and a buff caster but mostly i play video games and talk about them and you should be able to find me wherever podcasts are found you get in here the point is matthew i'm here here for you me chocolate cake game boy and me i know most people are going to probably talk about the game boy and the game boy advance but i want to start with something different because the first handheld i played was neither of those i even had a knockoff tamagotchi does that count as a handheld game I love that little pet. I wonder where he went. Weirdly enough, I remember originally being jealous of my stepbrother Andrew for having a Sega Game Gear. While I had the awesome Game Boy, my brother 
uh, was gifted the incredible colorized Game Gear, Sega Game Gear. The Game Gear honestly was better than the Game Boy in every conceivable fashion. Uh, to be fair, the Game Gear was in color. It was color, the sound was better. Had better graphics and sound effects was backlit. <laughs> which all I remember it for were two things. Uh, actually, three things. One is Columns, which is really fun. So if you haven't played Columns, play Columns because that's a that's a great game. It's not quite Tetris, but, you know, it's good. And, you know, when you have lots of... It takes advantage of the color uh, ability of the uh, of the, the Game Gear. So that was, that was good. It had stronger games. The other is Sonic the Hedgehog for Game Gear, which was super hard. It was Sonic the Hedgehog 2, uh, the one with Sonic with the hang glider on the cover uh that game was the game was hard and i think i beat it but i'm not sure on that one and even looked cooler with that black casing its only real drawback was the fact that it took like six double a batteries and drained them like nobody's business i had a friend who had a game gear and that thing ate batteries like it was starving for a week uh and the third of course is that the game gear used batteries like crazy but it looked like a sega genesis on the go but looking back as far as handheld gaming went the game boy was far superior in terms of titles portability and efficiency this thing took i think six double a's and it might have lasted an hour it was the battery drainer 9000 in fact you know what i'm gonna pause the recording right now and uh as an electrical engineer i'm gonna go calculate uh how long a game gear would typically last on six typical batteries from that time so let me do some do some math here. The Game Boy took like two to four double A's depending on the model, and those suckers would last for months. Recently I learned that four batteries were supposed to last 30 hours. But I don't think I ever got anywhere close to 30 hours off of four batteries. Okay, so it looks like the Game Gear pulled about four and a half watts. So on nine volts, because it had six double A's in it, you're looking at about a half an amp. Batteries, let's say, you know, alkaline batteries in the 90s averaged around two amp hours. So you're looking at, you know, four hours on six batteries. So yeah, that, that about checks out. The Game Gear, on the other hand, took a grand total of six AA batteries and would only last a few hours at best. If you contrast this with the Game Boy, which used 0.7 watts, that's why it lasted so much longer. The Game Boy only had four double A's, so it worked out that it was probably four to five times longer use out of the Game Boy. So you're getting about four hours with standard use. But to be fair, you do get 32 colors. The first handheld I played was Tiger Electronic handhelds. I think they still make these to this day, but they're very small handhelds, and I particularly remember playing some sports games on it as well as video poker. I also had a whole bunch of Tiger handheld electronics. Not a whole bunch, like four or five of them. So as far as handhelds go, I had a couple of Tiger handhelds growing up. But those were the first handhelds I remember playing, and I remember playing them until they ran out of batteries growing up. I can't remember exactly which ones they were. They might have been um, like Double Dragon or something like that. Where it's just the little blips and blops, and you play for like five minutes, and then you're like, okay, I'm, I'm done. My handheld game was a Kluzy handheld gaming console, a 9,999 brick games in one. No cartridges required, and all the brick games I could want were here. All I remember playing though is Tetris, obsessively. Pretty sure it was confiscated off me more than once at school. This was the start 
of my video game journey. I had this cheap ass brick game handheld and I loved it. I remember my stepbrother also got a Virtual Boy, so maybe I was the lucky one. Huh, I wonder if we'll ever see those on the NSO library at some point. That Wario game looks fun. Let's see, my handheld, now obviously if we're gonna talk about handhelds, we could go all the way back to Game & Watch uh, and things like that. But, uh, <laughs> uh, someone's old. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of old, I remember um, sitting in the Toys R Us parking lot in my very first car with my fresh driver's license waiting for the Legend of Zelda Oracle games to be released. And I'm pretty sure I also had the at least one of the Oracle games at one point. I think it was Seasons, or maybe I borrowed it from a friend. I don't remember. I was literally the only person waiting for the games to be released, but I got them both as soon as the store opened. So jokes on everyone else because i still have those games and i still enjoy them and nintendo had kind of their own versions of them which were the game and watch which still pop up in nintendo games from time to time oh i played a shit ton of game and watch gallery as well for those that don't know that's it's just like a collection of mini games basically with mario skins over old like game and watch games but my grandparents had this mario in the cement factory uh game that was just incredible it was basically the style of game and watch where you had to move mario around and the basic premise was that there were two cement trucks uh that needed to be loaded in this cement factory well that was so fun especially manhole come on uh and you had to move uh around the screen and pull levers to allow the cement to flow into the trucks before it overflowed onto the factory floor it had uh did it have any buttons? Now I'm trying to remember what it looked like. I guess it had a couple of buttons. Uh, in fact, Mr. Game & Watch is actually a character in Super Smash Brothers. Uh, yeah, I, I spent hours on Game & Watch Gallery just trying to get the you know the highest score as possible. It was a good time. But yeah, it's a it's a Game & Watch brand, Mario's Cement Factory, and uh, that was my first experience with handhelds. <laughs> that was that was uh, that must have been 1980. I want to say 1987 when I start, first started using that, when I would go over their house. And um, yeah, that was, we used to fight over who got to play Mario's Cement Factory. I got a three-star rating in Manhole eventually. I think I eventually like mastered Fire and Octopus as well in that original Game & Watch gallery, which I still own to this day. I loved the poker one. I particularly remember the baseball one a lot as well. But those were real simple games and had nothing on the Game Boy when it released. Uh, anyway, so I decided, you know, because I never throw anything away, um, I'm going to, you know, I went out and I dug up my old Game Boy. I still got the official Nintendo Game Boy soft cover um, carrying case here. I got my original Game Boy here I'm looking at. Um, everyone can see this, right? This is great for an audio medium. There were a ton of great games on the original Game Boy, and one of my fondest memories was actually something called the, the Super, Super Game, Boy, Game Boy, which is basically a Super Nintendo cartridge that you could actually plug your Game Boy games into, which would allow you to play your Game Boy games in color, sort of, and on the TV. Watching my friend play Kirby and having the occasional go at it started my dream of owning my own console. A dream that came true many, many years later when I saved up all my dollar bucks and bought my N64 just for me, which I still have and love. 
So during the summer, I went to this giant daycare facility. Like it was uh, it meant for, you know, I, I was out of school and my parents had to work. So I had to go to daycare and I met a, I made a lot of friends there. Actually, my uh, best friend I made the, at that daycare. The Game Boy was really memorable to my upbringing, primarily because my brother participated in wrestling and we were at wrestling tournaments across the state every weekend growing up. But I remember we would like around and find out, uh, but we would play the Game Boy and we would just like look over each other's shoulders. It was awkward as f but we were we look over each other's shoulders and watch each other play Game Boy. My uh, my favorite memory that I can, you know, it's been a while, uh, <laughs> but my favorite memory of my Game Boy was that my family took this trip. Uh, we lived outside of Boston and we took this trip to Pennsylvania. So for those drives and as well as sitting in the gyms while those tournaments were going on, the Game Boy was the perfect thing to kill my time. Well, the Game Boy and the Game Gear, because Sega decided they wanted to have a competing handheld as well. And we would be like, share secrets with each other. Like, oh, did you know, you know, Dungeon 6? Here's how you get it to Dungeon 6. Did you know about, you know, Mama Mu Yan? Or uh, did you know this guy is actually a reference to the, the final boss of Super Mario Brothers 2? Oh, did you know you can find Farfetch'd in this patch of grass? It was, it was really something. We drove all the way through New York and into Pennsylvania. And we went, you know, sort of sightseeing. But it was like a historical trip. So we saw Civil War battlefields and Gettysburg. And, and we went to Amish country. Just just, you know, to get, you know, see America, you know, type of deal, but not go too far. Don't want to drive more than eight hours. Yeah, these two handhelds kept my attention and kept me kept me sane waiting through these hours and hours of matches at these wrestling tournaments. But yeah, the Game Boy was all the craze at this daycare. I remember that everybody had a Game Boy. Everybody that was anybody had a Game Boy. I also remember going to every Kmart, Walmart. I can't remember what our video game stores were back then. We had Game Force, which I think is local to Colorado. I remember, I'm pretty sure I like traded games a couple of times with the resident douche at the, the daycare. I think we had ooh, maybe EB Games, which became GameStop eventually here in Colorado. But anyway, one of the things I remember from that trip is basically being on my Game Boy like the entire time. Just in the backseat. Oh, look, there's another battlefield. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Seen grass before, Dad. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure I had my Game Boy confiscated a couple times because I was trying to play it when I wasn't supposed to be during this daycare. I mean, I don't remember. I was, you know, I was like eight at the time or something like that. But from probably like mid to North Denver all the way to Cheyenne, we hit every store looking for Dragon Warrior 3 for Game Boy Color. Now, to be fair, I was kind of a, uh, I wasn't a Civil War, you know, nut at the time, but I was very much into history. So I, I did, you know, put the Game Boy down when we went into the museums and things like that. And there were actually things to look at, but... Staring at a battlefield out the window, uh, not exactly uh, the most riveting thing for a, uh, geez, what was I, 10 or something like that. I think we finally found it at a Kmart in Fort Collins, and we were so excited when we finally got the game that we broke the door when we left. Yeah, so that happened. <laughs> but I have my games that I decided to keep. I'm not sure how many of these disappeared over the years but I, I held on to some of those games i still have super mario land 2 i still have you know tetris uh, i don't think i have tetris anymore there's minor 2049er right there and you know what i'm gonna set that one aside because i'm gonna talk about that one last and then there were some crazy ones that i never got uh, for instance the game boy had a camera and printer setup another weird thing that no one remembers the game boy camera 
which kind of created the selfie craze of today, if we really, really were honest about it. Uh, let's see. Oh, Wario Land. That's uh, Wario Land was really great. Uh, obviously, Mario Land and Mario Land 2, Link's Awakening, Kirby's Dream Land. Apparently, I kept all the essentials and uh, minor 2049er. I've since learned they made a Metal Gear Solid game called Ghost Babble for it. That sounds really neat. Not only did I have the Game Boy camera, I had the Game Boy printer that went with it. But uh, here is my favorite, I think this is my favorite Game Boy game of all time, and it is Kirby's Pinball. Uh, I must have played Kirby's Pinball more than anything else. It's called Kirby's Pinball Land, right? Like Kirby's Dream Land. I had way too much fun with that thing. And I specifically remember taking some really cool photos when I was flying back and forth from Florida to visit my dad back in Nevada. Specifically remember playing Tetris DX on a flight. Um, I think I had a, a Game Boy Color that had the screen magnifier on it that had pop-out speakers on the sides as well as a light. For the Game Boy, one of its major struggles was the fact that it didn't have a backlit screen. Looking back, how did we, I don't know how any of us ever played those systems because, you know, they don't have backlights. So a lot of the time when you were in sunlight or you were in a dark room, you couldn't see anything on the screen. So like, I can't, I, can't, I feel like if I tried to play today, I wouldn't be able to see shit. You definitely couldn't play them outside. So obviously they've made an adapter that would put a light on top of the Game Boy. So that you could look at a, a nice big bright screen with loudspeakers playing, which the loudspeakers part probably wasn't necessarily on a plane. And that was kind of the first peripheral that came out and it just went bonkers from there. You know, you get a pinball game now and, you know, it's got multiple, you know, I don't know what you call them, stages or machine versions or whatever you call them. I remember particularly they had what they called, I think it was the Handy Boy, which included the screen light for the Game Boy, as well as a magnifying glass for the screen, a joystick to replace the D-pad, uh, and then bigger buttons for A and B. And it just turned your Game Boy into this bulky mess. The same one over and over and over again. And I must have played that for hours and hours. It was easy to see how Game Boys were basically everywhere because there were a ton of games of all sorts and varieties for it. Some other peripherals I remember is they had this large case that was shaped like a Game Boy that you could put in your Game Boy and a few games to carry around. Felt like everyone had one, especially once Pokemon came out. At some point we had Pokemon Silver too, but I think it was like our uncle's copy or something, so we didn't have it for very long. But I remember that shit blew my mind, oh my god. I think Pokemon helped their viability a ton beating the Elite Four, and then, oh, oh, what happens after that? Oh, man. I think my favorite peripheral, though, was for the Game Gear, which included a TV tuner. So, yeah, I'd be at these wrestling tournaments, put in the TV tuner, find a nice spot, put the antenna up, and be able to watch live TV in the area. I remember uh, I used to get Nintendo Power, and one of the things, uh, they used to put in, like, monthly challenges for, like, scores. And I remember uh, I saw that they were... They, they had done uh, Kirby's Pinball Land, and I never submitted for it, but when it came around a couple months later, I noticed that my score would have actually been the second highest one, so I always feel bad that I never submitted it, because I would have my name would have been printed in Nintendo Power. So, <laughs> Kirby's Pinball Land. And the wackiest peripheral I remember is there was an adapter onto your Game Boy that served as sonar for when you went out fishing to know if fish were around. They literally just did everything with this thing. And then the final secret boss? Dude, Pokemon Pokemon Gold and Crystal and Silver are crazy. I don't know if they're regarded super well now, but like at the time, man, 
That was awesome. But I remember playing Tetris DX on a plane. I, I don't know why that's the game I remember, but it is. Is that on the list? Can we play that? Super Switch Club? Kirby's Pinball Land. And then somewhere in their Game Boy Pocket happened. After that first one, Nintendo, of course, came out with the slimmed down Game Boy Pocket. And I think I had my own Game Boy Pocket. Limited edition, ice blue Game Boy Pocket. Followed by the incredibly stylish Game Boy Color. Uh, but the Game Boy Color was really where I cut my teeth on handheld gaming. I'm pretty sure I had a Game Boy Color at one point, too. The Game Boy Color was another awesome handheld system. It was a lighter, slicker, more streamlined version of the Game Boy that came in a variety of colors. That system was just outstanding. And included a series of exclusive DX titles, like enhanced versions of Link's Awakening and Super Mario Bros. Deluxe, which were both awesome. Uh, Link's Awakening DX is one of my favorite video games of all time. Was and still is. Not bad, Nintendo. You came out with something that captured my attention in early primary school. And while I never did get that Game Boy and Kirby game I dreamed of, I did eventually get my very own gaming console just for me. My partner slash fiance, Corey, I, he managed to hold on to his Game Boy Color throughout all these years. It's in his little nightstand right next to his uh, right next to the bed. And it has Pokemon Red loaded into it. I remember him clearly him playing Pokemon Red on a beach trip at one point. Yeah, besides those games, I don't even know if I have completed any other Game Boy or Game Boy Color games. Yeah. It was just, you know, it was good. Oh, I had Wario. I'm pretty sure I had Wario Blast as well with the uh, featuring Bomberman. I, I'm pretty sure I sold that pretty quickly because it was just like not a lot of replay value there. They ported Resident Evil to it, I think. Or maybe, no, maybe not. Maybe it was just they made a game called Resident Evil Gaiden, which is bonkers. I have seen somebody play it on Twitch or YouTube or something and just cannot believe that game exists. My friend Rich, who is my old RPG After Years co-host, for those that don't that know what that is, uh, he gifted me Castlevania The Adventure. I have Final Fantasy Legend. I still, I held on to a few of my childhood games. I still have Game & Watch Gallery, and I still have uh, Pokemon Bl Blue. Got Link's Awakening DX, both Oracle games. I found Mega Man 1 and 2 at a convention recently. Oh, Rich also gifted me Pokemon Gold. I got the Pokemon Trading Game. I got Yellow, Mario Bros. Deluxe, Mario Land 1 and 2. I had to replace Tetris, of course, and even Wario Land, which uh, Bill actually gifted me for Christmas last year. Bill's a good one, even though I give him a hard time. But yeah, and I hope that collection only continues to grow. It's The Game Boy was a good time, man. There's also a game called Quest for Camelot, which is a licensed Game Boy Color game based on the Quest for Camelot movie from not Disney, I want to say. I think it's a Don Bluth movie, maybe. Except for I played through uh, the Little Nicky Game Boy Color game a year or two ago. And it was a nightmare. It was an absolute nightmare. Of course, it would be a nightmare. It's the little Nicky Game Boy Color game. I don't no, I don't think that game's good, but I remember playing a lot of it when I was a kid. And I think that was mostly because I got stuck at a part and couldn't figure out what I was supposed to do. And so I just kept playing Quest for Camelot, doing the same things over and over again. And the, the soundtrack to it is just infectious. And that was an accidental pun. I didn't mean to do a pun with Resident Evil and Infection. A few years ago, I actually bought a sealed copy of it off of uh, eBay, intending to play it and stream it. Still haven't done that. Little Nicky is, of course, the movie uh, where the titular character, Little Nicky, is played by Adam Sandler, and he is the son of Satan. And he has to go to New York and uh, make sure his brother doesn't take over the planet or something. Maybe I should play Quest for Camelot. Popeye's chicken's f***ing awesome. But it was a good time. 
We're also here to talk about the Game Boy Advance. But yeah, after the Game Boy, after the Game Boy Color, we come to the Game Boy Advance. Then we get into the Game Boy Advance. And then came the GBA. It was, I mean, it was like the Game Boy, but just, I don't know how to say it, better? The Game Boy Advance was a pretty big leap forward from the original Game Boy. More better? And I definitely am nostalgic for the Game Boy Advance. A Game Boy improved? And the Game Boy Advance is something that I still adore. I have some pretty fond memories of the Game Boy Advance as well. I played the shit out of mine. Uh, like I said, I, I spent a lot of time with the Game Boy Color, but the Game Boy Advance came out when I was 12, so I was old enough to really look forward to it. I remember saving up for this one and getting it, if it wasn't at launch, it was real close to it. While the original Nintendo handled was big and clunky with 8-bit graphics, no backlight, and in black and white, or um, black and green, the Advance, on the other hand, was basically a portable Super Nintendo, and it was pretty light. And it was so cool. It had color, and it had shoulder buttons. I saved up my money. I put a pre-order down at GameStop. I saved up my allowance money. My parents, I was one of those kids that got like a weekly allowance from my parents for doing uh, chores. And I remember I was saving up for a Game Boy Advance and I'll never forget this. My uh, dearly, my father, rest of, God rest his soul, I guess, he bought the Game Boy Advance for me. It's one of the nicest things I ever remember him doing for me because like I, I was saving up. I was fully prepared to spend my own money. And you know, my dad got it for me randomly it wasn't even my birthday or christmas he just said that he hated seeing me have to wait so long for something i really wanted so that was nice of him i don't think we got it at launch but it probably wasn't too long after like maybe a year or two uh at launch i got uh super mario advance which was super mario brothers 2 and i got castlevania circle of the moon with it and basically just binge played through that i purchased it like a few days before traveling to a weekend basketball tournament in high school. The original Game Boy had just two main buttons and the D-pad, just like the old NES controllers, but the Game Boy Advance added the L and R buttons, just like the SNES controller. And then I got Super Dodgeball Advance and Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. I think those were all three launch games that I got. And that was basically what I did. The whole bus ride there, the bus ride back at night. I was playing the heck out of the Game Boy Advance. I remember staying up for three days straight playing Final Fantasy Tactics Advance when I was probably, oof, I'd have to say too old to be doing that, maybe 17. <laughs> um, the GBA was also way more ergonomic compared to the brick-shaped Game Boy and had more of a widescreen format. It felt like taking a console on the go, even though the games weren't necessarily as good as 2001 so a gamecube or even an n64 but at least as good as a super nintendo which to me was amazing i didn't have a super nintendo but i had super mario world on the game boy advance man i love that system it's great now i didn't get into the game boy advance because it released when i was in college and at that time i was focusing mainly on playstation and playstation 2 games because i didn't really have time for much more the, the game boy advance itself was great but i remember catching up a lot later when i got a nintendo ds which could also play game boy advance games largely because i wanted to play a lot of really good Game Boy Advance and Nintendo DS RPGs that were stuck on those consoles. I ended up having two of those over the course of that uh, era because mine broke in my backpack. Troy shouldn't have had it in his backpack. That was not very safe. I do currently carry a Game Boy style emulator in my backpack. I just realized there were a ton of great original games for Game Boy Advance. 
And man, the lineup of classic games. But my favorites were always the remakes of previous Super Nintendo games like A Link to the Past, Super Mario World, and Metroid Zero Mission. I had a ton of games on the Game Boy Advance, like, you know, Sonic Battle. And then you had all the Super Nintendo ports, like you had Super Mario World. All the Super Mario Advances. It was so cool being able to play the Mario games. And you had Yoshi's Island, which was like Super Mario Advance 3, Super Mario World 2, Yoshi's Island or something. Man, I don't even remember what all I had. And there were also the NES ports, which is the first place I played the original Metroid, and I think the original Castlevania, um, as well as uh, Kid Icarus, but Kid Icarus is ass, so... I know I had Pokemon Leaf Green, because I intentionally got that one, because I had red and blue on the Game Boy. I played the Donkey Kong Country ports. Um, Metroid Fusion was a great time. Uh, I was super into Kingdom Hearts at one point. I played Chain of Memories on that thing. The original Chain of Memories, not the remake. And there were a couple games that you could connect to your GameCube in order to unlock certain features like with Metroid Fusion and Metroid Prime, which we might have to cover on a future season. Yeah, and speaking of Metroid, the Game Boy Metroids, Metroid Fusion and Zero Mission are incredible. <laughs> I remember I was also super into Yu-Gi-Oh! at that point in time, so I had a, a Yu-Gi-Oh! game on the Game Boy Advance, the Worldwide Edition. That was a good time as well. Razor Jumper... Star Jammers 4, Mario Cop, Pancake Quest, Kirby Goes Bananas, the super controversial Dr. Wario Presents Home Dentistry. <laughs> what a lineup of super made-up games. I didn't have a Game Boy Advance. I'm sorry. I just wanted to participate. I wanted to be part of the Super Switch Club with all the cool retro gaming fans. Anyway. Oh, yeah, I had Pokemon Pinball on the Game Boy. Man, that was a good game. This is around the time I was, like, super into RPGs as well. For instance, like, Golden Sun, which I know we'll be releasing later this year on the Nintendo Switch Online. The Golden Sun, you know? Mario and Luigi. Oh, and Superstar Saga. I love the Mario RPGs. Like, I've, I've played Paper Mario and Super Mario RPGs so many times, and, and Superstar Saga, it's, it's like, I don't know if I like it as much as those two, but it's pretty close. The Game Boy Advance was fantastic. And I'm glad that we're finally getting some of those games. And then, man, the ports for Final Fantasy 4 and Final Fantasy 5. I think I played 4, like, the same time I played 10. Like, I think those were pretty... I don't, can't remember which one I played first, but they were pretty close to, my like, my first Final Fantasies. And, man, that game's so good. And then and then 5 is, is still my favorite. Like, the job systems and stuff. And playing that on a Game Boy is so good because you could just, like, you know, chill back and maybe watch TV and just grind out some job levels to get some new abilities. Yeah, I think I put, the first time I beat that game, I put like 60 hours into the save file. Like, I never spend that long in a game. Uh, and then I had a, a Game Boy Advance SP. And then, man, when you got an SP and it had like the, the light on it, and then you got like the, the later edition of the SP, and instead of the light like coming in from the bottom, it was like a fully backlit screen, though the colors were so bright. Then I had the AGS 101 series of the Game Boy Advance SP, which had the brighter back screen. And the clamshell. I love, I love folding stuff. Folding electronics are great. Bring that shit back. I remember playing a lot of GBA games uh, between classes in middle school. This is the Game Boy Micro, uh, which I used to play Kingdom Hearts Chamber of Memories in the back of my poli-sci class. Behind my computer screen, I'd have my laptop open like I was taking notes, but behind that screen, what's that? Game Boy Micro, Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories. Played the whole game that way. And there was the tactics stuff, of course. You had Fire Emblem, you had Advance Wars, uh, games which I was never very good at because I always felt horrible <laughs> when somebody died. So in Fire Emblem, I would always uh, just, you know, power off, power back on. I'll try the mission again and advance wars i was just really bad at it because you're supposed to treat some units as like cannon fodder and just it's tactically you know smarter to just let them die but every time somebody got low i'd be like okay retreat get out of there 
I'm not losing another man. Uh, when did this come out? 2001? I was a PC gamer in 2001. There's just something classic about the Game Boy and the Game Boy Advance that just, you know, it doesn't die. And it was such a blessing to, <laughs> I feel like I'm being a little hyperbolic here, but a blessing to humanity and all of our childhoods, I think. And I miss it. I kind of miss it. I might have to pick a, a Game Boy up uh, just for nostalgia's sake at some point. They still sell pretty well from what I understand. But yeah, um, it was formative in my childhood. It, I, Who knows? Myself and maybe some of you guys wouldn't even be the same person that we are today if not for the Game Boy and Game Boy Advance. I'm certainly thankful. And now I guess I have kind of gone full circle. As in 2018, my darling husband bought me a Switch. You know what? I think I do have my Game Boy Advance somewhere still. It's in a box or something. I, I, the, the Game Boy is lost. I still actually don't have a Kirby game, but I do finally have that handheld I dreamed of when I was in grade four. I didn't have a Game Boy Advance. I, I was a grown-up adultman at the time. Yeah, the Game Boy Advance was awesome. I, I really like that system. Yeah, I can't even... Wow. Yeah, the Game Boy Advance, that was a really nice little machine. Way better than the Game Gear. The Game Boy was amazing, you know? Handheld gaming was such a crazy time. Yeah, handheld nostalgia. Of course, Nintendo eventually came out with the Nintendo DS, which was kind of like a portable N64 with the touchscreen. And then eventually, of course, that, that kind of transmogrified into the, the DS. Eventually, we got the Nintendo DS, and that, that blew up to where everyone had a Nintendo DS. Which, of course, was followed up by the 3DS. And the DS and the 3DS. All that shit. But hey, that's its own uh, That's its own can of worms. Yeah, I don't know what else to really say about Nintendo's handhelds or just handheld nostalgia in general. I've never really been without something that could play a Game Boy until the 3DS came out, I think. And even then, I still own an SP. Um, I, I, I could have just gone and bought one which I did not. I still have my cool ice blue Game Boy Pocket. The the little tiny like silver version. To me though, the DS and 3DS era kind of blurred together, but I guess that's probably because I was an adult by then. I had friends who are older than me by five to 10 years who all who had kids. Some of them had three kids and each kid had their own DS and the parents each had a DS. And it's just like, what? That's insane. I have two DSs that can still play Game Boy games, and I still have like a pretty decent collection of Game Boy and Game Boy Advance games. I've never really been into handheld gaming, apart from dicking around on my phone sometimes. Imagine buying a console for each child, but now it's probably really easy to imagine because basically every child has a phone, and these phones cost way more than a DS ever cost. I think it's really interesting that now we're kind of living in the time of the ultimate handhelds. And I'm talking about our smartphones. Don't get me wrong, those were absolutely great systems in their own right, and I especially loved how they were backwards compatible with their predecessors. But there's still something special and unique about those early incarnations of the Game Boy. I don't really know what else to talk about. Handhelds were crazy. But I loved it. I had so many good uh, times with it. 
Yeah, I, lo- I love the Game Boy family of systems. Um, the Game Boy Color was extremely formative on me in my kind of preteen years. And then the Game Boy Advance coming out, like I said, when I was 12 years old, was just peak era for me. And I still play Game Boy Advance games on a regular basis today. It is The Game Boy Advance is, is one of my favorite systems of all time. I haven't had a chance to play anything else on the Game Boy yet, um, but I will get to Kirby soon. I just, I do other things when I'm out and about in the world when other people might use handheld gaming. Yeah, the Game Boy uh, family of games is just a very formative part of my life, and I've probably spent more time on a Game Boy console than I have on an actual home console, especially considering that I still play them when I can. Yeah, I remember one day in summer, I was playing Castlevania Circle of the Moon, and then some neighborhood kid came up, and he's like, hey, can I play? I'm like, yeah, sure, buddy. Motherfucker, erase my goddamn save. Maybe that's why I never answer my door or answer my phone. It's because I, I just don't want to be heard again. And if I'm at home, I will just use my desktop game. I'm I'm not like I sit on the sofa and watch TV and game. I, again, I got my phone. I'll fuck around on my phone. Oddly enough, with the rise of smartphones, handheld gaming also kind of went by the wayside. But in a weird way, it kind of lives on with the Nintendo Switch which somehow managed to be both a home console and a portable system all in one. Well, our smartphones and the Nintendo Switch. Yeah, and now we've got a Nintendo Switch, which is both a console and a handheld. I own a Switch, and I think I've played Breath of the Wild for like three minutes in handheld mode, and I was like, eh, f*** this. <laughs> I, need to, I need to get a dock and um, play it that way. It still blows my mind. Anytime I take it out of the the dock and it's just like, oh, here's your game on this screen. It just changed screens or put it in the dock. And oh, now the game you're playing is on this big screen. Like what crazy magic is this? I really hope it's something Nintendo continues to make. But it seems like other companies are wanting to get into the business as well, because we've got the Steam Deck that has become super popular. It sounds like Sony's working on another handheld option to connect to the PlayStation 5. And I was so surprised and excited when news dropped that the Nintendo Switch Online was expanding to include all these long-forgotten hidden gems. I'm so glad the Game Boy games are now uh, available on the Switch Online service. Uh, It is a little frustrating. I still miss the days of the virtual console over the Switch Online. Switch Online is kind of a kind of a ripoff, if you ask me. But if you don't want to be ripped off, we we all know how to solve that problem, right? So yeah, 2001 for me was PC gaming, Grand Theft Auto 3, early, the early Hitman, the Hitmen's, No One Lives Forever. Oh, fantastic. Man, someone's going to bring that game back up. Both those games, 1 and 2, No One Lives Forever, such a great game. Return to Wolfenstein, Baldur's Gate, Neverwinter Nights, that kind of thing. That was my GM back then. So while it's fun to look at Game Boy and Game Boy Color games here on Super Switch Club, I'm really looking forward to checking out that Game Boy Advance library. So yeah, I I really love the Game Boy family of consoles, and I hope that everybody else's memories are as happy as mine. I don't know what happened to those things. I, I definitely don't have them anymore, unfortunately. But thanks to the uh, you know modern technology, That's not really an issue. And of course, Game Boy is on Switch now as well. Now that the N64 Pokemon Stadium is coming to the Switch, I wonder if they're also planning on dropping red and blue, and if there's going to be a way to transfer your Pokemon to and from the Game Boy to the 64, just like there was with those old games. But I guess only time will tell. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to experiencing some of these things for the first time. Some of these classic games. There's probably going to be some... Pokermans in there, um, some Kerbos, 
So it seems like handhelds aren't going anywhere. And I hope you don't go anywhere either, because we're going to have a couple of games from this Game Boy and Game Boy Advance time period for our next two episodes. I guess that's all I have to say about the Game Boy in brief form. Uh, but for now, I'm off to watch Raiders of the Lost Ark for the indie season of Podcasters Assemble. So with that, I hope everyone else has a lot more fun nostalgia talk about handhelds for you, because mine is uh, very limited, but still, still very, very memorable. So that's me. I'm rambling about nonsense. I didn't really have a point, except I saw this was on the schedule to talk about handhelds. Some waters. Oops. Oh, gotta go. Bye. Even after I later got a DS, I would still occasionally go back to my trusty old Game Boy Advance and even dust off that clunky old Game Boy from time to time. Lately, I've gotten into cartridge collecting, so I've started picking up random cartridges for the Game Boy and Game Boy Advance. Okay, yeah, that's about it for my, my Game Boy nostalgia. God bless the Game Boy. I've been Mushroom Comics, and this awesome show is the Super Switch Club, and my mediocre show is Mushroom Comics' audio-only Let's Plays. I'm not religious, but they deserve a blessing. And thank you, editors, for putting this together. Um, see everybody next time for some Tetris. I've played some Tetris, not on the Game Boy, a lot, but... Anyway, thanks for listening. Um, yeah, thank you for listening. Now catch you guys next time for more on the Super Switch Club. This has been Scott, and I'm out. I'll catch you later. Goodbye and have fun. I don't know. But see you next. See you next time. What are we? What are we doing? Starting with the pack-in game for the Game Boy when it released, Tetris. Tet Tetris. Also, how the hell are we going to talk about Tetris? So tune in next time when we start talking about falling blocks. Tetris. Okay. Hey, I've been told uh, we're going to be playing Tetris. You just drop blocks. This is Caslo Twenty Five. Take care, everyone. This has been a presentation of the We Can Make This Work Probably Network. Follow us on Twitter at Probably Work for more of our questionable content. Also, we have a website called ProbablyWork.com. It effectively, it effectively was an NES in the pot. It effectively was an NES. Oh, the D and then, uh, this is Eric Slater from Epic Fails of History. Too young for this track. Comic zombie podcasters assemble. Wait. And what was the other one? How many did I say? This is Eric Slater. <clears throat> I had this cheap up, cheap ass. I didn't have a Game Boy Advance. I'm sorry. I just wanted to play. I wanted to I mean, not to play a Game Boy Advance. I wanted to play this. I wanted to participate. I wanted to be part of the Super Switch Club with all the cool retro gaming fans. Creepily slash awkwardly. This is Eric Slater from Epic Fails of History. Too young for this trick. Comic Zombie. Podcasters Assemble. And the Super Switch Club. Wait a second. All right, let me let me try that again. With my limited edition Ice Blue Pocket Game Boy or Game Boy Pocket. We did the same thing with Snake on those old, you know, like Nokia. Uh, <laughs> uh, what's the word for those cell phones that only have, you got to type with the buttons, like one is ABC, two is DEF, you know what I mean? Uh, I also had a game called Minor, uh, Minor 2049er. Um, um, was really into Angry Birds, uh, played a lot of Doodle Jump for a while there. This is absolutely not on topic for the Game Boy. I've, uh, branched out into more general handheld gaming. The one and only Game Boy.
it had an it had an adapt it had an adapter that let you play. But anyway, uh, all I remember from that there were a ton of great games on the original. God damn it! Trying to <laughs> record this in the car with my portable mic uh, in the middle of a parking lot, and people keep driving loudly next to me. Yeah, so that happened <laughs> we broke a door on a kmart and that, that could be why they went out of business a decade or so later probably a little more than that um and this was just a it was there was only one you know you these the original uh is that on the list can we play that super switch club kirby's pinball land 